0: Welcome to China In Context, I'm Duncan Bartlett. State media attempted to censor the most dramatic moment of China's key political meeting, which took place in Beijing this weekend. The nation's former leader, Hu Jintao, was ushered out of the Great Hall of the People after what appeared to be some sort of confrontation with his successor, Xi Jinping images of the expulsion were broadcast live on the official feed, but they were not shown again in subsequent bulletins. Fortunately, the BBC and CNN captured the moment, allowing viewers outside China to see what happened. Hu Jintao was escorted from his seat by two men. One of them held his arm as other party members looked on. Watching closely on TV was Professor Steve Sang director of the SOAS China Institute at the University of London. He's kindly agreed to join me as a guest on China in Context this week. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. What did you make of those images?
1: Well, those images is all we have in terms of evidence to try to understand what happened in China on this very important occasion. We don't have the audio. So we couldn't hear what were being said by Hu Jintao and by others to him. In terms of the general context, if Hu Jintao were escorted out of the party congress, not as a direct order from Xi Jinping, then it would have been highly embarrassing for Xi Jinping, perhaps even humiliating. And if that is the case, somebody will be held accountable for it and will be punished. We have not yet seen anyone being punished. And given that there are very few people who are involved at that level who could be involved, the fact that we still have not seen anybody being punished would suggest that this happened, if not as as a direct order of Xi Jinping, then certainly, with his blessings. And why should somebody like Hu Jintao, the spiritual leader of the youth league faction and somebody who hand over all offices and power to Xi Jinping 10 years ago without making any trouble be punished. So Xi Jinping is basically breaking all the rules about the retirement age keeping all the youth league people out and turning the entire political standing committee into a committee of his loyalist proteges, Removing Hu Jintao therefore sends a very powerful message. Don't think about other factions like the youth league factions. Don't think about the future leader because there is nobody in line to succeed. Don't think about previous leaders, there's only one leader, and that's the one everybody must look up to, respect, and follow. So there are six
0: men standing beside Xi Jinping in the photograph of the new Politburo Standing Committee. They're going to be at the top of the political apex in China. What do you make
1: of that group? Well, this is a group of either Xi Jinping proteges, or proven loyalists to Xi Jinping. Every one of them demonstrated very strong commitment to support Xi Jinping's policy and policy line. None of them has a record as an economic or finance technocrat. And so we are seeing that the top policymaking body will be filled by people who are exclusively political operatives, with none having strong expertise in how to manage the economy or the financial sector of China moving forward. Makes a bit of a contrast with the previous Politburo Standing Committee, and with the Chinese economy slowing down and facing even more headwinds than previously, we are seeing China entering a brave new world with a group of leaders who are perhaps not the most suited to face all those challenges.
0: I'd like to talk a little bit more about Xi Jinping's new second-in-command, Li Chang from Shanghai. Now, Shanghai, as we know, has been subject to these draconian lockdowns as a result of Xi Jinping's zero COVID policy. when I speak to people from Shanghai or people who've left Shanghai, I get the impression that there's quite a bit of resentment towards China's national leaders. So what do you think about the appointment here of uh, Li Chang as the number two?
1: The elevation of Li Chang to the number two position in the political hierarchy is very illustrative of the priority Xi Jinping has set for his third term in office. Li Chang is distinguished in two ways. One, he was a former secretary of Xi Jinping. Second, as you quite rightly highlighted, he was the party secretary and therefore the number one in Shanghai and was responsible for the implementation of the zero-COVID policy in Shanghai, which caused all kinds of problems that you have mentioned. But in that process, Li Chang has demonstrated his absolute loyalties to Xi Jinping and his determination to implement Xi Jinping's policy of the dynamic zero COVID policy. And for that, he was being rewarded and being elevated to become ranking member of the Politburo Standing Committee and therefore, the candidates to be the Premier of China when Li Keqiang stands down in the spring.
0: Let's talk about China's economy. I'm always a bit doubtful about the official numbers, but the official numbers say that China's economy grew by nearly 4% in the period from July to September 2022, compared to a year before. And at the Congress, Xi Jinping said, the Chinese economy has great resilience and potential, its strong fundamentals will not change and it will remain over the positive trajectory over the long run. Well, you know, the economists I'm speaking to, Steve, just don't accept these numbers. They think they're far too optimistic. What's your view?
1: The financial data was supposed to be released last week in the midst of the party congress and its release was being deferred until after the party congress and that i think speaks volume it speaks volumes in terms of the figures not being sufficiently patriotic now xi jinping will almost certainly be proved right at least formally by the statistics because the idea that in the next five years the chinese government will publish statistics that suggest china's econ- economy is getting into a Formal reception is almost negligible because the statistics will need to be patriotic and do what the parties require to do. That perhaps is the basis of why economists have some element of skepticism. There's also, of course, the reality that in the 21st century, there are other ways to measure how an economy grows other than the official statistics of growth figures. reality is that the Chinese economy is slowing down, and that slowdown is partly structural with the change in the demographics shifting from enjoying a demographic bonus, as it did previously, to now entering territories of suffering from a demographic deficit. And of course, the Chinese economy is also suffering because of the strong American restrictions to the export of important components for the Chinese industry, like semiconductor, and all those will have effects on the Chinese economy. But when you get to the official Chinese government statistics, it will have to be patriotic.
0: I think you make an important point there, Steve, about the impact on China's economy of those restrictions on American companies, From selling high-tech equipment like semiconductors to China and it's not just American companies that are going to be affected. Companies from South Korea and from Europe and from Japan are also going to have to be very careful about the sort of high-tech goods that they sell to China. Now some people say this is going to wreak havoc on international trade and the Communist Party's line is that the United States and its allies are intent on holding China back due to hubris or jealousy. What's your response when you hear about this decoupling, as it's being termed?
1: Some element of the decoupling, I think, is unfolding in front of our eyes. A full and complete decoupling of the US and the Chinese economy, I do not think is on the cards for the very simple reasons that the two economies are so integrated that a full decoupling simply cannot happen within a short space of time. Now, what we are seeing are structural changes in the relationship that will make it difficult for some selective element of decoupling not to happen. The fact that the new Chinese leadership will be filled mostly by party apparatchiks and with some of the highly respected uh, economic and financial technocrats being retired will make the Americans much more uncomfortable with the direction of travel and the rhetoric coming out from Beijing. And the more worried the Americans are of China's intention, the more restrictions they will put on uh, the transfer of technology and important components to the Chinese economy. So that is going to happen. And of course, with the Chinese government under Xi Jinping seeing the United States as the backhand behind all kinds of problems that China are facing, the Chinese government is also trying to selectively decouple from the United States in order to minimize the scope for the Americans to put pressure on China. So moving forward, we are going to see Uh, some element of decoupling happening but we are not going to see a full decoupling in the next five years.
0: Let me finish with a quote from Xi Jinping from the 20th Party Congress. Xi Jinping referred to a grim and complex international situation. What do you think he's referring to?
1: Well that is exactly what I was saying earlier in terms of uh, Xi Jinping taking the view that there are increasing tendencies in some Western countries, by which he implies the United States as the one foremost, in taking on an anti-China attitude and trying to repress the capacity for China to modernize and rise further. So in the 20th Party Congress, in both his opening speech and his closing speech, He was in effect appealing to people in China to be good patriots, rally around the leadership of himself and the Communist Party so that China will overcome those adverse international conditions created by a malevolent United States of America. So looking forward, we can expect the Chinese government to take an even more robust stance towards the United States and to the Western democracies. Xi Jinping believes that China's moment is now and the rest of the world should pay its respect and work with China, in which case there will not be a conflict or confrontation.
0: Well, thank you, Steve, for that fascinating analysis. That was Professor Steve Sang, the director of the SOAS China Institute which makes this podcast and you can find out more about our courses and research at our website soas.ac.uk. But for now that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team.